Bonjour. Hello. (laughs) 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 Welcome to another episode of Sophia's Choice, the Golden Girls podcast. Uh, I am Alan, joined by Ski. Hello again. And Brent. Still here. Uh, You know what? (laughs) You ought to listen to the last episode uh, to get the little bit of humor there at the beginning. Um, Very little. (laughs) (laughs) But now that I'm thinking about it, I give you the opportunity when I introduce you to say hello to the crowd. So you really don't need to chime in with your hi after I say it to begin with. No, but it's because I don't want them to have to wait that long. Oh, it's yeah. just your your fear for or your concern for them. They'll tune out. <laughs> <laughs> if they don't get their Brent immediately, they're bailing out. So, you, so if I introduce Ski first, do you think they're already clicking it off? If so I don't come, f this, no, no, I'm I don't done. Think so. I think, I think that once they're uh, Ski's there, like, all right, you know, show's getting good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, perhaps so. Perhaps. I think I say hi because generally it would like. I think your intros are get, have gotten different, mm-hmm. like because before you'd be like, you know, oh, welcome to Golden Girl Podcast. You know, we're talking about this and trying to find the definitive, and <laughs> you know, we go <laughs> VIP yeah. and slices of cheesecake and all that sort. And as always, I'm joined by, so you know, we're on like paragraph four by the time you get to mm. skier myself. Oh, okay, you know, so as long as so if I, <laughs> you'll stop interrupting me if I start introducing you sooner. No promises. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, it's fine. I'll. No, no, it's fine. You can you continue with your. I shtick. do like I do like the older intro though, the okay. previous intro. I don't. Know, I'd have to go back and listen again to see how I did it differently in the okay. past. I think it's something along the lines of, you know, as usual, we're trying to do our you know countdown or what? Listen to every uh, episode of the podcast. Yes, we're trying to listen to every episode of our podcast to determine which one was the best. All the episodes of Golden Girls, yeah, yeah, something like that. You know, um, slices of cheesecake and VP. Okay, so like you give them like the whole overview, but I don't know. Well, I mean, I guess not because I mean, what's her name? Uh, Trisha P. You know, she's a brand new listener, right? So I mean, she she needs that intro. Yeah, you know. Okay, well then. uh, you know, we'll just kind of reset right here. I mean, we'll keep it all in. But, Absolutely. you know, if anybody wants oh. to chime in on which is better, then you can let us know. But, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So hopefully I'm recreating this as best as yeah. possible. But yeah. hello and Hi. welcome. <laughs> See, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll stay silent. And welcome to the final episode. <laughs> I'll stay silent this time. <laughs> because you weren't interrupting from the beginning. That's definitely for sure. Um, yeah. You didn't start interrupting until, I don't know, halfway through the first season or the second season or something of that nature. Yeah. But Once I started got, to get bored. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I think you got loosened up, got comfortable with yeah, it all. Perhaps. All right, yeah. I'll stay silent this time. Okay. You, do, you do your thing. Hello. Hello. Uh, <laughs> Fuck you both. No, I stay silent. Yeah, but he, I kept, he I kept my word. You did. You did. I looked at my window, Alan. <laughs> I'm sorry. Have I been cutting you off? Have you been wanting to interject this entire time? <laughs> if so, I apologize, good sir. No, no, no. I need to revise those eulogies from last week. <laughs> you can't have jams. Either that or, Alan, you could enact them. Yeah. Well, enact them. I mean, I, I guess I could make them necessary. But, <laughs> so. Anyways, I don't know. I would say I'd be mentally unbalanced if it was like, why'd you kill him? Well, he interrupted me when I said hi on my podcast. <laughs> I had no choice. But it was really close to when I said hi. Right. <laughs> you, you need to listen to it to understand. Anyways, if you want my previous opening, you'll just have to listen to another episode. But today, 
myself, Brent, and Ski are going to be reviewing Season 3, Episode 6, Letter to Gorbachev. We will be doing our normal format with Ski doing the recap. Uh, we'll list our MVPs for the episode, favorite lines as we go through, as well as our rating of eight slices of cheesecake yeah. as we work towards determining what is the best episode of the entire series. Very nice. Bravo, yes. That's, yeah. We're spot on, pretty much. This is our first twofer with the same person doing the recap both times. Yeah, that's true. But, I mean, the, the listening audience doesn't know it's a twofer. But, yes, we are recording these. Uh, this one was recorded on the same back night back. that episode five was recorded. So. Now you know how the sausage was made. Mm -hmm. Yep. And <laughs> no more attractive than it was when you didn't know. So. Yep. <laughs> so with that, I will go ahead and uh, turn it over to Ski. Oh, for, uh, any viewer mail? A no viewer mail <laughs> since uh, an hour ago. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what Amichi Panda's been up to. I don't know what Trisha P's been up to. Well, Numi. Uh, Prince is my idol. Amy and Julie. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, it, with the if the stars align, and perhaps we'll have some uh, on episode seven to yeah. report. Nice. So, anyways, but with that, I'll go ahead and turn it over to Ski to start recapping this episode. Uh, as you said, season three, episode six, it's entitled "Letter to Gorbachev." The original air date was October thirty first, nineteen eighty seven. Halloween. This one hey, was I'm, written. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I'm sorry. Uh, no, no, no. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys know what you were doing that night? October 31st, 19, uh, probably trick-or-treating. See, what age would we have been? So that was 1987, right? I'd have been nine. Yeah, and I would have... Well, you wouldn't have been nine yet. You would have been eight. Oh, that's true. Yeah, you true. would have almost... You would have been one day... No, no, one day in a month from being nine. Um, so I would have been eight. So, yeah, probably just the very traditional trick-or-treating. Um, I'm trying to think. What year did Gremlins come out? Was that 85? I don't know. 86? Sounds right, though. My sister was born in 87. That's how I knew... Like, knew, knew roughly what your age was? Yeah. Okay. Well, I don't know. I'm sure I was trick-or-treating. I may have been wearing an amazing gizmo costume that my mom made, but I can't say for sure. I remember when I was a kid, my mom made a really cool uh, Luke outfit from Return of the Jedi. Oh, okay. It was like all black and stuff from the beginning of the movie. Mm -hmm. I freaking loved that thing. I wore it frequently, not for, <laughs> like, like, like for dress-up and stuff at home. Well, yeah, that, that gizmo costume that I had, I wore that quite often, too. And I remember that it got ruined or at least messed up when I dropped a fudge sickle on it during the summer. So that tells you how long and, yeah. and frequently I wore it. But none of those things relevant to the recap, but still. Certainly. Most of what we say isn't relevant to the recap. Back at you, though, Brent. Do you know what you were doing that day? No, I was trick-or-treating. I was wrong. Oh. The year. <laughs> <laughs> what, what year did you think Good it was? Good story. 1988. Uh, what was happening in 1988? October 31st, 1988 was when uh, Monday Night Football was at the RCA Dome for the Colts game. Oh, cool. Colts oh, wow. versus Denver. And I was there with my dad oh. instead of trick-or-treating. That but, is really cool. Um, they well, gave everybody in the audience. Um, was it the uh, Hoosier Dome still at that time? Yeah, it would have been the Hoosier yeah, Dome. Yeah, Hoosier Dome. Um, yeah, I don't know why I said RCA Dome. Yeah, it was the Hoosier Dome. Um, but they gave us all um, like Frank Gifford and Al Michaels masks. Oh, really? Like they were just like cardboard. I freaking yeah. remember that. Yeah. Like, um, I, I, I don't remember it like, on, like firsthand, mm -hmm. but I remember seeing old uh, footage of it and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, so me and my dad were there, but that was um, 10-31-1988. Oh, okay. So, so one, one year, year after, after this, this episode, episode aired. aired. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but that, that is a good story. Yeah. It seems weird because, you know, you're not uh, what I would call a sports fan yeah. in a general sense. I don't yeah. think you would have been a much bigger fan of candy um, as a, what, mm -hmm. probably 10-year-old at that point? Yeah. Um, than a, uh, I was 12, yeah. 12, okay. Mm -hmm. Well, okay, at 12 then. You, you probably would have outgrown the traditional mm -hmm. trick-or-treating then. Yeah. So, yeah. 
Solid way to spend a Halloween, though. Yeah. So my dad had Colt season tickets from year one, like so eighty four oh, okay. or whatever. Right when they moved here. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so we were like, obviously we were way up in the nosebleed section, um, but it was at like the forty five yard line, so they were pretty good. Those are pretty know. good. But him and my him and his buddy, and then my uncle, the three of them had season tickets. But my uncle was only a few years older than me. So if I was 12, he was probably 16, 17, something like that. Okay. And so I'm sure his parents, my grandparents, were like, no, it's a school night. You can't go, mm. you know. And then, you know, but my dad was like, well, I'm taking my boy then. <laughs> you know? and so that's why I was able to go instead of, you know, my uncle. Well, it could have been, too, that maybe he had a, you know, at that age, Halloween parties and things of that nature, yeah, you know, were... Would have been a thing potentially. Yeah. So, so I guess now I, one detail I don't remember. Do you remember if the Colts won the game? Um, I, I seriously doubt. Well, they had Eric Dickerson at the time, but no, Denver in '88 they would have had John Elway. Yeah. So there's, I think Elway would have beat Dickerson. Yeah, I would think so. Yeah, I remember people hated Dickerson in this town. I, I think that he <laughs> didn't want to play here yeah. basically. Yeah. But I think they had T-shirts and stuff that said I'd rather be Dickless than Dickerson. Yeah. Um, things of that nature. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So he, he was definitely one of the most hated Colts, at least by the time he left. Um, but he was a great player, uh, and he played well for us when he was here. Yeah. But my dad actually met him on oh, his really? way to Indianapolis. Oh, like he was—he did a lot more travel for work back then, mm-hmm. and he was on the same flight as Eric Dickerson when he was coming to Indy. <laughs> he was like several rows back, I guess. But right. Got to because I mean, he stood out. So oh, my well, dad sure, yeah. like, met him, said a few words to him, and said good luck. <laughs> So guess it didn't work out. <laughs> <laughs> the only kind words Eric got. <laughs> I think it was kind of, I don't say my dad was starstruck by any stretch, but he knew he was coming because, you know, I'm sure it was big news oh, back sure. then. Well, he was a star, too. I mean, it wasn't like he was some, you know. It was a big trade. Yeah, right? mid-level player. I mean, he was a big-time player when he came here. Yeah. So. He held yardage, like, records for here for a long time, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sorry about that detour, though. Well, actually, I'm not sorry. It was Brent's uh, – the, the funniest part on. is that was a, it was still a year <laughs> off. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's true. His detour for a year prior. <laughs> well, who knows if we'll make it to season four, episode yeah, six. Right. <laughs> year prior, you mean after? Because it was 88, he said, right? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Anyway, um, October 31st, 1987. Yeah. <laughs> this one was written by Barry Finero and Mort Nathan. Who directed it? Terry Hughes. Ah, nice. As as was true for all episodes in <laughs> season, season three. three, yeah, yeah. And so we open topical episode. Say again, topical episode. Yeah, yeah, yes, I'd so. I would definitely agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've got a few uh, footnotes in there too. Me I'll, too. But oh, maybe I'll let you talk first because they may be the same. Oh, and I'll let you go first. It's your recap. But oh no, they they come as a as the season pro- or the show progresses. So right, okay. yeah. I'm sure Brent's probably do as well. I don't think he'd be like. I want to make a footnote about. Uh, no, exactly. <laughs> I would disagree. Brent often has had some really good uh, topical things he's added ahead of time, ah. about especially if it's subject specific or date specific. Well, yeah, perhaps, but I mean, I guess I would assume that his <clears throat> footnote. I, we'll find out. You know, we're yeah. we're off track right now, so let's go back <laughs> to the episode and we'll get to the footnotes as we get to them. So yes, opening again in the, the kitchen with Sophia, which is. The same way last one uh, opened up. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sophia, this time, is sitting at the kitchen table uh, reading a book entitled Magic Made Easier. When Dorothy comes in from the uh, back door of the kitchen. 
Do you think there was like a book called Magic Made Easy? Yeah, I, I wonder. But <laughs> that was an odd book. Um, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that uh, there is no such book as that. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It was a very bland cover. Well, it was like... a white cover with just the words. Red and text. then you could kind of see below the the jacket, there was a green book underneath it. Uh -huh. So you know, I'm thinking that they just made up the uh -huh. jacket. This is a network. The whole book. Well, no, but I mean, this is a network TV show. Okay, yeah. one of the biggest shows in the country at the time. They couldn't have had an actual book where the cover was printed to well, say the words on. My it. guess is that they would have paid for the rights for it. Then, well, if it's a fake book, I don't think it was a real <laughs> book to begin with. So I don't think there'd have been any rights to pay. They would have just been actually making the book as opposed to only doing the bare bones oh, jacket. You're just, you're just saying do a better job of, well, of yeah. disguising it, right? Yeah, I mean you could actually print it on an actual book. You know, have a book maybe a graphic up. of some sort. Yeah, I don't think print-on-demand technology was that advanced in '87. Perhaps if they just had written the show that day and yeah. then they needed the book, but I'm assuming they wrote it months in advance so they could have had the time to have that book printed up yeah. and not an incredible cost. I don't think for a, a yeah. network TV show that's yeah. probably the, you know, probably maybe the number one yeah. show in the country. At the I'm time. sure an arts department could have top five. drummed something up pretty fast. Right. <laughs> yeah. I think it just could have been avoided if they would have used a, a book with a white cover underneath. That oh, way you wouldn't have seen the green and you'd right. be okay. Yeah, I suppose. So, or if they, I guess I can see why they couldn't use a real book because then, like you said, they'd have to get releases and that kind of stuff. Yeah, um, but it was extremely bland. Yeah, it yeah. was the blandest cover of any book. I, I don't know, maybe they're like, we really want to be able to read this. That's what I was figuring. It was so that yeah. they could be as legible as possible for the no, audience. No, nothing deterring from <laughs> the yeah. legibility of the words. Yeah. I like the fact they didn't, they didn't make a Doug Henning joke. Yeah. Why would they have made a Doug Henning joke? Maybe. Was he into magic? <laughs> Wasn't that the only thing he was into? I know. For some reason, Doug Henning, I guess the name's not ringing a bell. Was he a big magician back yeah. then? Yeah. Who are you uh, thinking of? I don't know. When you said Doug Henning, I was thinking of, uh, I don't know, Henner or something. Like, wasn't there a... Uh, Marilou Henner? Was she a skater or was she a gymnast? <laughs> That's Mary, Mary Lou, Lou Retton. Retton. <laughs> Mary Lou Henner was on Taxi. Oh, okay. <laughs> was there a, a male skater that had a name similar to the name that you said oh doug henning yeah nah, not that i know Man, i'm I gonna have to cut this shit i didn't, I didn't, follow, <laughs> didn't follow male skaters as much as you did when you were nine yeah. <laughs> i appreciated the artistry <laughs> anyways blaze of blades of glory so i never saw that um but I, that's Doug Henning. Oh, okay. I recognize his face. I I wouldn't have. I didn't recognize the name when you said it though. Yeah. But you went along with it, whereas I tried challenging. I said it a nothing. Oh, okay. I said nothing at all. Don't try to. Yeah, I, I think I've actually seen that exact picture. You're holding you, up, friend. Don't you think like, they would have made the Doug Henning joke? Yeah. I mean, if they're going to make a joke about Jerry Falwell and a water right. slide. Yeah. yeah, and that was definitely a deep cut. So. Yeah. Yeah, anyway. yeah, I did not write that one down. Uh, so I got that one. Chime it in when, uh, when it applies, yeah. if you will. We'll get I'm there. excited to see if we all pick the same deepest cut yeah. to have cheesecake. Yeah, there was a couple <laughs> deep ones. So, All right, Ski, sorry, go ahead. Oh, got no problem. So, yeah, she was reading Magic Made Easier uh, when Dorothy comes in from the back, and uh, Sophia asks her for her watch, which she willingly provides. Right. Mm -hmm. Sophia explains that she's working on a magic act for a uh, upcoming talent show. Uh, she then places the watch into a uh, a uh, bag. It looks like, like one of those like nice like lined bags. Yeah, like felt or something. Mm -hmm. 
then she proceeds to uh, smash it with a hammer. <laughs> she then reaches into the bag and pulls out a playing card and asks Dorothy if her card was the Ace of Spades. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Dorothy's eyes are kind of like, what? Uh, stating that she, uh, and Dor- Sophia rather, states that she may have uh, mixed up a few chapters from the book. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was just a really funny bit. It's like, oh, is this your card or whatever? <laughs> right. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I enjoyed the bit, too. I thought it was a funny opening. Yeah. She uh, then dumps out the remnants of the watch onto a plate and mm-hmm. announces the obvious, this watch is broken. Yeah. <laughs> Dorothy explains that, you know, Stan gave her that watch when they got married. But Sophia is less worried, saying that, you know, the marriage didn't work. Why should the watch? Exactly. Which, I don't know. I guess I can see why they went with that joke instead of yet another reference to John Cameron Swayze. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I just thought it was odd that Dorothy would specifically be upset because Stan gave her the watch. (laughs) I think it's because she had it for a long time. Yeah, I guess so. She clearly still freaking likes him enough that he's in so many episodes. Yeah. (laughs) Well, at this point, she would have had it for 47 years. Yeah, that's true. So I guess it was an old-ass watch that just got destroyed. Yeah. She learns uh, not to give it to her mom anymore. <laughs> they both walk into the living room while still talking about the uh, talent show. Blanche overhears their conversation, asks if uh, you know she can be in the show too. But uh, Sophia shoots her down, saying that her talents aren't usually the kind that are performed on the stage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did and, you guys, uh, did you guys see what Blanche was reading? No, what was she reading? Uh, she had a TV guide. Oh, okay. So, did you see who was on the cover? No. Jake and the Fat Man. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. That's a good deep cut. I know. I th- was it just like three, four weeks ago we were talking about well, how fat was the Fat Man? And- <laughs> exactly. Robert, Robert Conrad or yeah. whatever. Yeah. <laughs> she, she also adds, though, you know, after saying her talents are not, you know, stage worthy, yeah. you know, this isn't downtown Saigon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I thought that was pretty rough. Yeah. Uh, Blanche smiles at the funny jab and Dorothy pleads with her mom, you know, to give it up. You know, lest she winds up with egg on her face like last year. Uh, and then Blanche asked, you know, what was her act? And she said, she just told you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I juggled eggs. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Rose enters the house uh, looking upset. Uh, Blanche asks if something is wrong. And, you know, uh, Rose simply turns her head and announces that, you know, to the room that I'm concerned about nuclear war. Yeah. <laughs> she then kind of continues right on into the kitchen. Yeah. So this is like two weeks in a row where it's sort of like... Not Rose versus the other two. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, she, she enters sad, upset yeah. by, you know, some something. Yeah, and it's like I don't know, you don't see I don't know, previously Dorothy and Blanche haven't always partnered up right. the way they've been the last two episodes. Yeah, well it, it I mean, definitely Rose is having a rough run of it as far as mental health goes because mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> you know, it's having to face fears, now having to worry about, you know, the growing concern at the time of mm-hmm. uh, not to mention her bear was kidnapped. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's actually Factors into this episode, does it not? Oh, the perpetrator doesn't show up, but her, yeah. her, her posse does. I'm guessing she got booted. <laughs> yeah, probably. A conduct unbecoming. Yeah, um, that's true. <laughs> she committed a dosy don't. <laughs> <laughs> I like that one. <laughs> I think Brent loves when I say something stupid like that. Yeah, well, I think that he realizes that it. it it was punny um, and and worthy of a chuckle, but your response was uh, more grand than what the joke earned. Hey, I liked it, I, and I, I had to state some. Yeah, I mean that's a joke that I feel like I would say that was funny. 
<laughs> okay, next. Like, I appreciate the humor in that. <laughs> and especially on the fly. Um. Dosey don't. That was good. Thank you. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry that I'm not giving you hey, the had... piece of praise that Ski is heaping. But I sold a lot of uh, Girl Scout cookies with my kid, though. So. <laughs> so that humor is right up your alley. That's right, yeah. We sold a lot of Dosey Does. You know. How much were they uh, when your daughter was in? I think three and four dollars. Mm-hmm. I think they're up to like five or six now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they're five now. Mm. I know they're five. Um, my youngest is selling them this year for the first time. So. I thought that aren't there some uh, Girl Scouts that are uh, boycotting selling them because there's some that were made with a specific kind of oil that isn't good. Whale um, oil. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now those, that I've heard of. Yeah. I believe that there's a at least some troops or an area where they're boycotting selling uh, the Girl Scout cookies mm-hmm. because of some environmental concern. Yeah. So I just know that um, crude, crude oil. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like she's she had managed to sell enough boxes to get her dues covered for the next two years. Oh, okay. so that is good. She hit her quota. So oh, you didn't hit us up for any uh, sales. I'm kind of surprised. Um, no, uh, my wife posted something on the socials, um, oh, okay. but I didn't. I didn't say anything to anybody. Yeah. You know, it's one of those things. It just seems awkward and weird to be like, "Hey, you want to spend five dollars on some cookies? Mm-hmm. They killed a whale." <laughs> 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 Do your part to eliminate those <laughs> that Giant predator from the bitches, ocean. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Aren't you tired of them crowding our beaches? <laughs> Always rolling up there like they own the place. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Never get up there fast enough with your fork and knife before it spoils. Exactly. Uh, so. Tag alongs now with 37% less narwhals. <laughs> it's always been. That's why, that's why they're so rarely seen. <laughs> But now, now the ocean will flourish with them, <laughs> thanks to that troop and whatever. <laughs> Less narwhal. That's what gave it the best flavor. Well, I know, Ski, but sometimes you have to sacrifice a little bit, okay? <laughs> Stupid green peas. Yeah. Always, always ruining the good stuff. Exactly. <laughs> I think my record for three boxes of tagalongs one day. Um, that's my record. And I remember that Saturday I was just so happy. And then that Sunday I was so miserable. <laughs> that sounds about right. Yeah. I don't know if it was the narwhal or what, but it was rough going the next day. Have, have we talked about narwhals on the Yeah, pot? yeah. I thought we had. Yeah. I told you guys what the horn is, right? Yes. Yeah, an ingrown twofer. Mm-hmm. So back to the uh, story. Yeah. Uh, Sophia talked about the previous year juggling eggs and them ending up on her face, apparently. Rose enters the... Oh, no. I, we jumped ahead. Sorry. I jumped back, rather. She, was talk, she comes in talking about how she's uh, worried about nuclear war. Uh, she then continues into the kitchen, you know, basically not even missing a beat. Uh, a bit stunned by this comment, Dorothy uh, states that, you know, just yesterday she was worried that Bubbles the Chimp was being forced to tour with Michael Jackson against his will. Mm-hmm. And now this, you know... <laughs> Uh, she would have known back then that Bubbles the Chimp would have been the smallest concern of Michael Jackson. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> his, his, his tour dates were the least of his problems. Right. <laughs> now Blanche and, uh, and Dorothy follow her into the kitchen to kind of probe Rose about you know, what brought on this type of thing, this line of thinking. Rose, Rose holds up a child's uh, work of art and asks them what they think it is. 
Blanche, of course, you know, goes uh, on her own tangent saying that it's uh, her as Cleopatra as two uh, naked guys fight to sleep with her. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rose corrects her saying, oh, it's the end of the world. Blanche responds, smiling, though, only for the loser. Yeah, that was, may have been my favorite line of the episode. I, just the way it was delivered and all that. Uh, yeah, it was really pretty good timing. that particular line. Rose clarifies, though, that Dorothy uh, to Dorothy that one of the girls, an eight-year-old in her Sunshine Cadet Troop, uh, made that and uh, was about the day after nuclear annihilation. Right. Apparently, three other girls had also made similar pieces, which seems like a lot. Unless yeah, maybe they're... I mean, were they all watching the news as a group? Like, as a I troop? <laughs> I will say, like, if they were doing art projects together, like, I've noticed that uh, even when I was a kid, like, if someone had a cool idea or an interesting mm-hmm. idea... Other kids would kind of copy off that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, that's a good a good guess. But uh, anyway, other girls have done the same type of thing. Dorothy explains, though, similarly, that uh, you know, girls, you know, especially young kids, can't help but absorb some of what they see or hear on the news, and then that's how they express such, uh, you know, their concerns about such things. Mm-hmm. Rose continues to ask or to to talk about how sad it is that uh, when she was eight. She was mostly worried about, you know, kids' types of issues. Like, you know, what about the tooth fairy? Would they bring her money? <clears throat> what would Santa bring her? Right. And uh, if she'll uh, get to be the uh, small curd cottage cheese queen. Right. Yeah. Which she states is the second highest honor in town, but uh, second only to the large curd cottage queen. Co- I can't talk. <laughs> yeah, well, cottage that is, cheese that is queen. a bit of a tongue twister of a, of a title. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I, th- unfortunately, she never gets any more into what that particular title, you know, entails. Um, she does not. And like, is that where Memoir Blanche says, you know, just because I still need to finish my coffee? Like, oh yeah, yes, yes. She'll, she'll entertain. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> she, she she cuts it off uh, <laughs> before she explains what the uh, yeah small curd cottage cheese queen was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Rose continues that uh, the kids shouldn't be worrying about the end of the world. Sophia enters and asks, you know, what they were discussing. And Blanche tells her, uh, we're talking about the bomb. Mm-hmm. Sophia responds indig- indignantly that they haven't even seen her new act yet. Right. <laughs> uh, Dorothy tells her their mother that, you know, they weren't talking about her. But Sophia goes on saying that everyone will be talking about her after they see this new talent show act. Mm-hmm. Uh, she then pulls her left hand from behind her and uh, shows that... Uh, she has a sock puppet on it. Right. Little glasses and everything. Mm-hmm. She tells them, that, you know, she calls her little show Sophia and Sophia and then gives them a short little comedy shtick. Dorothy explains that uh, they can easily see her lips moving, though. Sophia's kind of shocked by this. She did not realize that uh, not seeing her lips move was an expectation. <laughs> of antropism, yeah. <laughs> or that this was very common knowledge <laughs> to everyone. <laughs> To be fair, most of the ventriloquist that Sophia knew of uh, was from radio. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, Brent's a huge, huge, uh, was it Jeff Dunham? Is that his name, fan? (laughs) Akbar? Was that the puppet? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, the the Middle Eastern (laughs) one. Exactly. So I know that you you would like to see just an entire racist act of just that particular puppet. I am. Yeah, I don't know. I was... (laughs) Like when he became like really big, um, I was single at the time, and there was more than one young lady who was like, "I really love the Jeff Dunham." <laughs> I was like, "Well, I really don't want to see you ever again." 
<laughs> well, there is something about like if that's your brand of comedy, yeah, then it's probably not going to work out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, exactly. regardless of the act bar, you know, even if you take that out of the bit, it's just mm-hmm. like. If this is what you are, you know, mm-hmm. really tickled by, yeah, exactly, it's exactly. probably not going to work out here. Um, exactly, my comedy is a little more highbrow, and I need you to appreciate at least some of it. Exactly, exactly. Now let me tell you about the Goldens. <laughs> Side note: I happen to like Jeff Dunham a little bit. <laughs> the tiny head shake as you said that. <laughs> Yeah, Ski I think is funny, but Ski is the I, don't, I wouldn't mix. say he's my my go-to by any stretch, mm. but he is I think he's He's no Iglesias. <laughs> he's no who? The fluffy. <laughs> <laughs> Who's the fluffy guy? Yeah, yeah. No, you, you got right. But what's, what's the first name? It's not Julio. It's No. Um, um Enrique, I think. Enrique. No. no. You guys are both wrong. <laughs> Enrique's the Anacornicovas. I don't think it's Iglesias though. I think it's um yeah, I don't know, but I know the comedian that you're talking about. I think he was a winner of like Last Comic Standing or something oh, like okay. that. It was what propelled him. Oh, okay. Um, I could be wrong. Iglesias that. actually sounds right. I think I, I don't know his first name either. Yeah. I don't remember it offhand. Yeah. I think the TV show, the Netflix thing, was Mr. Iglesias or something. Could have been. Could have yeah. been. But he was pretty was funny. Yeah. Gabriel. Gabriel Iglesias. Yeah. So you were correct on the last name. Yeah. Um. So that's who you like. He's your favorite. Who? <laughs> no. <laughs> What were you saying though, Alan? You you kind of cut off from something. I don't even remember what we were what we were talking about at the moment. I was just saying that you have this really odd mixture of things that are really highbrow that you like and things that are really lowbrow that you <laughs> like. Um, you are a man of all seasons when it comes to comedy. I like that. <laughs> so, um, so you know, after this uh, not so rave review, Sophia bids farewell to her little puppet uh, while taking a stab at the career of Valerie Harper. I know. <laughs> I guess they took a week off. Yeah, well, <laughs> just nothing. Right, just a couple episodes ago, they were yeah. you know celebrating Sandy Duncan coming back to TV, which was at Valerie Harper's expense. Exactly, and now taking a more direct shot right at Valerie Harper. Apparently, somebody in that. Uh, Do you have the yeah. actual quote? Yeah, it was. Uh, so this was her talking to the sock. Um, Tough break, Sophia. One minute you're about to entertain the masses. The next you're back to being a foot covering a corn pad. How you know how Valerie Harper feels. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty rough. <laughs> yeah. Which, I mean, I guess, in fairness, it's not necessarily insulting Valerie Harper. It's just, you mm-hmm. know, referencing her. Yeah. Um, Kicking her while she's down. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. there you go. Uh, Dorothy gets up to make the girls dinner, saying that uh, it's her her night. Uh, but uh, Rose says that she's not hungry. Blanche tells her, you know, she shouldn't be dwelling on such big issues beyond her control. Yeah. Uh, Rose stubbornly states that, you know, she believes that any problem can be solved if you, you know, put your mind to it. Blanche asks that, you know, how she plans to act on the issue, sarcastically suggesting that uh, she write to President Reagan. Rose points out how silly that would be and adds that she'd obviously have to write to Gorbachev also. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dorothy, you know, insists that Rose can't be serious, uh, but uh, Rose explains that, you know, she has a cadet camp out in two weeks and really doesn't want this type of, uh, you know, thinking to be overshadowing the trip. Yeah, I liked her her specific uh, quote there was, I don't want this nuclear nonsense spoiling our fun. Well, <laughs> I like the implication that she can solve world uh, nuclear crisis in two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> so they've been, oh, out of sight, out of mind. Right. We took care of that a week and a half ago. I just like that it's like, oh, it's nuclear nonsense, you know. <laughs> 
That's some Jared Kushner level chutzpah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the shenanigans exactly. of these world leaders. Uh, but but <laughs> she heads out of the kitchen, saying that uh, if she writes a thoughtful letter to the two world leaders, it may be a step in the right direction. Uh, she asks the girls, you know, before she leaves the room, though, how many Z's are in the word czar, but then decides it doesn't matter and heads out. Yeah. Sophia holds up the sock uh, puppet and says to the girls, she's not sure why she bothered to make this when she could have just had Rose sit on her hand. Yeah. Uh, we change scene. We see uh, the Sunshine Cadets all gathered in a semicircle in front of several tents. Uh, also, Dorothy and Blanche are there. Uh, while Rose is recounting a story about uh, the ghost of a headless Indian who roams the land crying out for his lost head. One of the cadets, though, whose dad is a surgeon, points out the physiological fallacy in her story. <laughs> Blant suggests that uh, <laughs> under her breath that maybe he cries out from his butt like the cadet master, <laughs> which is Rose. You know, these cadets are little assholes. I mean, we've already, of- <laughs> we already saw Daisy, you know, a couple of weeks ago, who yeah. was terrible. Uh, I mean, she's a great actress, but terrible yeah, yeah. as a as a yeah. human yeah. in the in the show. Mm-hmm. And then this little girl mm-hmm. is terrible. Well, and then, also. And then da- Daisy said, right? Yeah. So at first she was being helpful. If mm-hmm. you remember, she was helping with you know volunteering her time. But then when I she, think she was just casing the joint. Maybe, yeah. maybe she got that baron and held mm-hmm. it hostage. Turned out to be a pretty awful kid. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, but this one, she she puts it right on Front Street. She's not even trying to pretend to be a decent <laughs> kid to start with. She's just being terrible right from you know, right from go. And I think she she doesn't break character either, does she? No, no, she's terrible throughout. <laughs> no, I think later on she's like afraid of telling a lie. Uh yeah, but I mean, I think she's trying to get absolution for it. <laughs> yeah, I think she, her focus was more on getting a badge, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. But uh, Rose is uh, saying he cries out from his heart, which is the worst way to do so. <laughs> right. The little girl continues to poke uh, holes in her logic, but Dorothy reminds her that you know it's just meant to be a scary campout story. The little girl kind of makes fun and and says it's laughable, but Dorothy responds, "You want scared kid? You keep it up." And the girl, though, jabs right back at her and saying her mom is a lawyer and uh, she best not threaten her again. Dorothy goes to her and says, your father's a doctor, your mother's a lawyer. What are you, one of the Cosby kids? Yeah. That did not age well either. Well, no, not. Still a good show. Anything with, you know, Bill Cosby, of course, is going to not age great. I was glad that they didn't use a, a black actress to make that joke fit better. You know, I was glad that it was just. Oh, gotcha. For the for the little girl. Yeah. Oh, know. that would have been. <laughs> yeah, that would that would that would have been an awkward situation if they did that. A little yeah. cringy. Yeah. It was it was not a diverse cadet group. Well, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> they should have had more diversity in the group, but that particular role, I think, it would have been really awkward if that was like the one black girl in the group that got that yeah. joke. Yeah. So. Yeah, the girls start to uh, kind of rally together and saying that they're bored. And one says she wants to watch MTV, mm-hmm. which you know that did not age well either because. Yeah. Now, well, yeah, true. Now MTV still back exists, then MTV would still have music. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Nowadays it's just I think reality TV basically, yeah, of one sort or another. Or ridiculousness. Have you guys seen that? Yeah, which is still sort of a form of it's reality. Like, it's TV. like Tosh Point oh, really. Yeah, but way, way, way worse. <laughs> I, I hate that show. Have you ever seen it? Yeah. You never need to. So <laughs> it's just like if you imagine a, a clip show. Where the person who's presenting it, like imagine, like say, uh, America's Funniest Home Videos, okay, which is uh, really, I think, the the prototype of all these. Yeah, types exactly. Of shows. Um, imagine that, but if you made Tom Bergeron 
incredibly annoying and the little bit of humor that he added to mm-hmm. it, you took that away or Bob Saget, you know, yeah. depending on how long ago it was, yeah. you watched it. Um, that's what you get with uh, ridiculousness. Yeah. It's just a really grating host. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and well, the, they got like three hosts, don't yeah, they? And they're all terrible. They, they, um, they help each other be terrible. Yeah. It, it's, it's, I, I don't know, not my cup of tea to say the least, but you know, someone out there, loves I, I it, have, I will give him credit. You. There's been a few funny lines I've heard from him because Alexis likes it. Mm. Well, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> her, it's, it's her age range like it that's is, who it's is. geared towards is someone who's you know 20 21 years old or younger mm-hmm. it's just not the brand of humor is not for someone it's definitely for age. the uh the tiktok age yeah yeah uh, i didn't mean that as a slam at alexis I whatever mean that, so. she, she heard it clear and <laughs> loud and clear yeah that makes sense she would love terrible humor uh, <laughs> <laughs> but i mean obviously it's been sometimes for many does. years now sometimes so. she does yeah so, you know, she, one gr- girl wants to watch MTV. One girl even turns on the lights, revealing that they're actually camping in the Golden's living room. Right. <laughs> Due to the fact that the campout had been canceled for rain, uh, one girl complains that Rose promised they'd be able to pee in the woods. <laughs> and uh, to that, Blanche tells that girl to move away from the couch. <laughs> right. Yeah, that, that, not the... Not necessarily Blanche's response. I enjoyed her response, but that particular line from the Sunshine Cadet yeah. was one of my favorites. Uh, Rose, you know, proposes that they dive into some camp foods, including beans, some jerky, or some marshmallows. Mm-hmm. She doesn't say uh, s'mores. She just has marshmallows. Well, they don't have a fire, so they couldn't really make s'mores. Yeah, um, micro- well, did they have microwaves back then? I don't know. Yeah. I think they did, but... Mm-hmm. They reply that they want pizza, though, and Rose turns to the uh, Dorothy and Blanche, asking if they would really mind... If she took the kids to go get some pizza, they both uh, reply enthusiastically <laughs> that, uh, no, no, that's fine. Yeah. What is one little girl, like artichokes and shiitake mushrooms? <laughs> yeah. <and Yes>. <laughs> Just very bougie. They had very uh, specific tastes. Yes. Yeah, that's one of my favorite. Do you, do you, I know you watch Ski. I know you watch uh, Impractical Jokers. Have you ever caught an episode yeah. of that? Mm-hmm. It's a really good show as far as um, you know those types of shows go, the mm-hmm. variety of show. Uh, but there's an episode where they're in a, I don't know, like a convenience store type place, a mm-hmm. little restaurant. I can't remember for sure. But they had those, and one of the, the members, Q, uh, thought they were shit take mushrooms. <laughs> um, and oh, it was just a, it was stupid, but it was mm-hmm. funny. So there's some yeah. lowbrow that I enjoy too. Okay. So. Cool. I'd say that group is actually a pretty good combination of high and lowbrow yeah. humor because there are certain things that they've done that are pretty, you know, I won't say. Uh, highbrow maybe a stretch a bit, yeah. but, but uh, certainly more sophisticated humor. Yeah, yeah, there's some that definitely falls in that category. So, but so yeah, the girls are you know are happy to get rid of the uh, the young children. Uh, Rose tells the uh, girls to assemble in an orderly fashion, but then instead they all rush out the front door screaming and hollering. Uh, she tells them that you know such action is no way to earn their quote good behavior badges. <laughs> uh, following them to the door. Uh, she then loudly reminds them that they're supposed to use both fingers when giving the sunshine salute, which yeah. I thought was a great line. It, yeah. it again, though, it, it was almost under the radar. Too. Well, it was a little under the radar, but it again reinforces the fact that these sunshine cadets are, mm-hmm. are not good kids. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, I kind of wonder if it's like an, an after school program for troubled youth. Because um, <laughs> <laughs> if they're running out the door and flipping rows off, which is the indication. Yeah. Um, then, yeah, they really are. are and which is going to go buy them pizza. Yeah. And she's sponsoring them on a camping trip in her home. Well, that was one thing I thought was odd, too, is. <laughs> I would feel awkward if one of my children was in a scout type program 
and the person who was hosting it was not a parent or related to any of the children. Yeah. It was just a random person from the community, woman or man. I would yeah. feel like yeah, there's I'd... something here that doesn't feel right. Yeah. Um, I mean, I know that Rose is, you know, she has Good that hearted, simple But they quality. don't know that. Yeah. yeah. I, maybe they'd met her enough. They're like, oh, yeah, she's, she's a little simple. She's not. You know. uh, or maybe if it's a small enough community, they have all met well, her with like Miami. <laughs> so well, I'm saying sure. like their neighborhood or something. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, like perhaps. we don't know how big the group is assembled from. That's yeah. true. So maybe if, it's the sunshine. And we know that the the Goldens definitely participate in their fair share of uh, group activities. Yeah. You know? Yeah, they're very. Uh, what is it? Uh, Civic minded. There you go. It's exactly yeah. the phrase they're looking yeah. for. Maybe they got such good reviews when they babysat those kids during the marathon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just expanded over exactly. into the. They were willing to, you know, adopt one kid. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we'll get one of our crazy kids away. Right. Uh, so when all the kids have exited, Blanche and Dorothy kind of relax, and uh, discuss how glad they are that the little heathens are all uh, gone. Blanche uh, does state that you know she doesn't think that she could raise any more kids, but uh, is obviously still within her childbearing years. Yeah. Which I had to call that one out too, because raising more kids seems to be. A recurring theme mm-hmm. in the show. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, one episode recently was specifically about Blanche beginning menopause. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. So we know for sure oh, that yeah. Blanche, you know, has passed her childbearing <laughs> years because of that episode. She was um, all depressed and everything. But yeah. There's been plenty of times where they were actively pursuing the opportunity <laughs> to yeah. start raising a child again. But uh, Dorothy incredulously snaps back, sure, Blanche, you and Imogene Coca. So, did you want to make any comments? Who was born on? in 1908, by the way? No, nothing on that one. I, that was the thing. I l- was looking into that to see if there was a specific. Because at first, I was like, oh, maybe she's someone who had a child really late in life. I mean, she's an actress <laughs> who, very recognizable face, but mm-hmm. not from stuff that we would necessarily. I mean, I guess she was uh, in your show of shows with Sid Caesar and won five enemy or was nominated mm-hmm. for five uh, Emmys and won one in mm-hmm. 1951 for it. Yeah. Um, and she had a long career, and at this point, she would have been around 80 years old. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if it was just a reference to her as being an old actress. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, because there doesn't seem she didn't have any kids, so it wasn't that she had a late in life child or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I thought there would have been more to that joke than just like, yeah, you and this other old person. Yeah. But <laughs> I guess that's all it was. Yeah. Real quick, I mean, <clears throat> this is sort of backtrack a half step, um, like. I mean, if you're an adoption agency and you're like, okay, these three old women, you know, want to adopt this baby, you know, that's probably not a good idea, right? you know, <laughs> but in hindsight, if they would have went through with it, I mean, at least one of the mothers would have lasted until, you know, the kid was 35 uh, yeah. and counting, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. so it'd have been okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> probably would have still turned out a little weird, but yeah. <laughs> they would have had someone to care for him. Exactly. <laughs> so. You know. Uh, at this point, uh, the doorbell rings, and they're worried that the girls have come back already. Uh, Dorothy gets up and answers it, and a Russian man named Alexei enters, mm-hmm. telling them that uh, he is there to see Rose yeah. because the premier, or because premier Gorbachev had read her letter and would like to meet her. Right. Upon hearing this, Blanche spits her drink all over his face. Yeah, that was a pretty rough spit take because that was yeah. like really, literally right yeah. into his face. Uh, she apologizes profusely, but he tells him that, you know, he'd stand in line for hours for half as much in Moscow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, he then incorrectly asks if it's Coca-Cola, uh, but you can very clearly see that it's Shasta. Yeah. 
Apparently they couldn't get the rights to show a Coca-Cola can. But on. they can say it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Dorothy can't believe that he really wants to talk to Rose. <laughs> You're watching him. Do you guys watch Superstore? No, I haven't Sometimes. seen it. I've heard good things. It's really good. Uh, it's but, funny. But because it takes place in like a Walmart type store, they do a lot of product placement. Oh, okay. They're just the products on behind them. And there was, I don't know, a whole row of... Um, Shasta no. cola, like every possible <laughs> variation or whatever. And it's like, I've never seen that much Shasta in my life, <laughs> let alone that is the only soda they carry at this right. cloud nine. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's funny because normally if Shasta's carried at all, it's like, you know, the smallest amount of space available. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, I don't know. Is so, it... like, doesn't, uh, don't Walmart and Kmart have their own, like, brand of cola? Well, Sam's Choice. Yeah. Uh, Kmart has, like, Big K, I think, something yeah. like that. So maybe, uh, maybe Shasta's uh, paired up with Cloud Nine. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, so that's like, so Shasta is the Cloud Nine branded soda. <laughs> Like Fago for the right. insane clown posse on. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's like me and my wife were watching it, and we start talking about Shasta, and then I was like, "It don't even get me started on Shasta McNasty." <laughs> and it, she had no idea what I was talking about, and I'm not quite sure myself. <laughs> I just know it's a TV show. <laughs> I think it was on the UPN or the CW uh. or something. Shasta McNasty. I gotta look that up now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I want to say it was around the same era as Homeboys from Outer Space. Oh, okay. The Secret Diary and Desmond Pfeffer. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're well-versed uh, <laughs> in your TV knowledge. Yeah. So. Uh, Dorsey can't believe that uh, he really wants to talk to Rose, but the man insists that uh, the Russian premier was very touched by the letter and has uh, invited Rose and her family to come to Moscow to discuss nuclear disarmament. Right. Which is... This is a big deal. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. We find out later that, that I don't even know how that would go. Yeah, I'm not really sure either. Um, but She has no power of anything. No, but I mean, I suppose. She could be a good uh, ambassador. Yeah, yeah. So He gives them a letter and asks that they uh, make sure to give it to Rose when she arrives back home. Uh, then he exits. Dorothy still can't believe it, but Blanche shows her the letter and how official it looks. Uh, just then, Rose enters the house again, having forgotten something. Uh, they explained to her about the Russian dignitary visiting, uh, and so having she would have passed him in the driveway. You, yeah, right, you it was so. seconds <laughs> yeah. apart. I thought that too. You know, telling him about the the letter he delivered, and that uh, Gorbachev wants him to meet with her, and how unbelievable all this is. Mm -hmm. She asks, "What did Reagan say?" Because <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she wrote letters to both. Yeah, I like the fact that she almost didn't care. Like it about was, it was not a yeah. surprise at all. Mm -hmm. It was like, yeah, that was expected. Where's the other response? Exactly. Um, Tell me the Gipper's thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but they uh, sadly report that, you know, he hasn't responded. There was no letter or anything from him. Uh, Rose tells him, that is unbelievable. I wrote to him two days earlier. <laughs> and would have only had to go, you know, here within the States versus going all the way over the right. ocean. Yeah. Uh, Rose switches subjects, telling the girls that she had uh, left the house uh, but forgotten to wear a full headdress which is required garb during a full moon for a sunshine cadet master. Mm -hmm. uh, she then throws on a full Indian feathered headdress that she pulls out from one of the tents and yells to the girls that she's coming back while making pretty stereotypical... Yeah, it was, oh! yeah, it was definitely a, a moment that... Indian noises. Yeah, that yeah. would not at all fly uh, in today's day and age, but uh, racially insensitive to say the least. Yep. 
Uh, Dorothy and uh, Blanche watch with a bit of a concerned look on their face. And Dorothy comments. Another another line here that <laughs> yeah. would fall into that racially insensitive. Yeah. Uh, Kibo Sabi, I think world is in heap big trouble. Yeah. <laughs> I hope my, uh, my delivery was not too racist. Well, I mean, you were just delivering. You were just <laughs> retelling the line. So you didn't write the line. True. Well, I technically wrote it on the paper well, here. Well, that's but, uh, You did not conceive of the line. <laughs> so, uh, But that is actually a, a stretch back to the Lone Ranger, if mm-hmm. you didn't know that. Well, yeah. Uh, that's a show certainly <laughs> rife with uh, <laughs> you know, things that wouldn't fly well today. But So uh, you know, we see next Rose is sleeping on the couch in a pink robe. Uh, and it must be fairly late because the uh, TV station is signed off and the TV's still going. Mm. And it's now showing the uh, test pattern. For anyone who doesn't know what that is, TV used to turn off. Yep. Yeah, they used to stop staring things. And, yeah, yeah, it would just have. Run out of shows. Yeah. Or, or static <laughs> would go on or something. Seems crazy, doesn't it? It does. Did you guys stay up much often when you would see the. Uh, the mm-hmm. in, like the national anthem or yeah. something? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, we now conclude our broadcast day. Yeah. yeah. I always thought if I was up that late, it was cool. <laughs> like I had, you know, broken the rules somehow. Right. Exactly. I'm living in the future now. Right. Yeah. Uh, the TV image, however, begins to kind of shift and like, like uh, flutter, and we realize we're being transported into a dream sequence. Uh, and now we see the news is covering Rosen Island on her uh, international mission of peace in Moscow, Russia, anchored by the actual real Edwin Newman, who was a TV broadcast for the time. Yes. Mm-hmm. He details uh, the that Rose's uh, letter and uh, talks about that and how it was. Uh, they were now in Red Square and uh, addressing Russian citizens earlier today. And then uh, the imaginary TV program switches to coverage of a cheering crowd in a snowy Moscow, mm-hmm. and uh, then shows Rose and her friends. And it looks like multiple members of the Russian government or yeah, military. Dignitaries, yeah. yeah. And uh, a collection of microphones mm-hmm. kind of addressing the crowd. Uh, the girls are all bundled up and go ahead. One of the um, the drawings in the background had like oh, yes, Stalin there were, and Lenin with Betty White in, in the middle. Them. Yeah, <laughs> I really liked that. I that was really I, funny. I meant to actually add that in there, but I forgot. Just sort of that Soviet propaganda style <laughs> poster <laughs> with Betty White in the center. Yeah. They still I'm have sure. that up, I believe. Oh, I'm sure they do. <laughs> I'm sure they do. She's huge over there. She's their Hasselhoff. <laughs> <laughs> the girls, they're all wearing uh, their uh, fur, like winter wear, like nice and uh, bundled up. Moscow on the Hudson. Yeah. Right. Rose tells the crowd that, you know, she kind of addresses them saying that Dr. Zhivago is her favorite movie. And then uh, directly after that introduces her friends one by one. Mm-hmm. Dorothy speaks to them uh, saying that... Uh, the lives of Russian and U.S. people are really not that different. They're very similar, except for the toilet paper, explaining uh, that that's why they must always seem so grouchy. Yeah. <laughs> and the crowd seems to enjoy that. Yeah, you know? yeah. It's like, oh, you nailed us. <laughs> uh, Blanche gets up then and uh, thanks them for a good time they've had uh, in, during their visit and then performs uh, a little rendition of like the Marilyn Monroe Happy Birthday mm-hmm. to Gorbachev, calling him... Mr. Number One Communist. Yeah. Which was very, I thought that was very off-key, very stretched. Uh, yeah. Uh, although, I mean, it seemed. It's funny, but. Like, if you have to think of something for Blanche to say, like, I thought it worked <laughs> well, you know, her Marilyn Monroe impersonation. No, I just meant, like, the. Oh, the Number One Communist thing? Yeah, no, well, the the 
the song in general, like the way she ended it, oh, I thought okay. it went very offbeat. Oh, okay. I see what you mean. So you're just critiquing her actual singing performance? Kind of, yeah. Oh, okay. okay. Well, at least I boiled it down now. Yes. So. <laughs> Sophia then fights through the group to get to the front. Uh, They're all surprised that she's there as you know she had not accompanied them. Uh, she explains that though uh, a nice German boy was kind enough to uh, fly her to Red Square. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that was uh, was that the deep cut that yeah. you were referring to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was a good one. So, do you want to explain who that is? That was uh, Matthias. Yeah, uh, Rust. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, he was just a nice young German boy who made it to Moscow, to Red Square. Yeah, like he flew through the Russian defenses and everything yeah. else. Um, yeah, um, like he went by way of like Helsinki and Finland. Like he took a roundabout way to get there. Yeah. But it was kooky, like how he was able to make it just because it was just like lots of dumb luck, mm -hmm. you know. What happened when he arrived? They just like, landed right there in the center. Yeah. Well, I'm saying like, did they like descend on him? I'm oh, guessing? yeah. Yeah. And he spent 14 months in prison. Yeah. <laughs> well worth it. Yeah. Well worth it. Yeah, he, it was something that he was trying to like demonstrate about building a bridge between. Yeah, and, and when they when the cops first came to him, he said, or you know, their version um, mm -hmm. came to him. He said that he was from Germany, and they were all like, "Yeah, please to see him." He's like, "No, I'm from the other side of Germany." Yeah. That was back before the wall. Right. You know? Yeah, that actually comes yeah. two years from now. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, he was from the almost the, exactly two years from the, the the free side, not the communist side. Yeah. But yeah, almost about two years. Because I think that happened in November, if I remember, because I looked it up, mm -hmm. uh, November of 89, and this was released in October mm -hmm. 87. Yeah, because I remember when the wall came down, I was like, man, a year ago, I was at Monday Night Football. <laughs> right, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, 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 how much the world changes in a year, right? Right. <laughs> but uh, they're... <laughs> Uh, she approaches the mic, Sophia does, and uh, starts, you know, another comedy bit for the group. Uh, she comments on how uh, clean the streets are in town, no litter on the road, and all of the bugs are in the American Embassy, right. which was probably one of my yeah. probably favorite lines of the show. It's a good one. Yeah. Rose thanks the crowd, though, and tells the, or, yeah, Rose thanks, you know, thanks Sophia and kind of ushers her back and tells the crowd to, you know, give peace a chance. And says that they are the best audience in the world. <laughs> and uh, then she, uh, we start to phase out of the dream sequence. And, so, and Rose is still uttering, the best audience in the world. The best audience in the world. <laughs> but she sounds terrified when she's saying it. Almost, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but then Dorothy and uh, Blanche have uh, come into the room in the meantime. And they're kind of slowly waking her up, kind of shaking her. Yeah. Rose sits up and explains you know, that her dream to him. Mm -hmm. And that she's probably a bit nervous about the upcoming press conference. Mm -hmm. uh, Blanche tells her not to worry, you know, as reporters are just people too. She says that they all put their pants on one leg at a time, uh, with the exception of a particular sports writer, Steve Maxwell, uh, who she apparently knows likes to jump into both legs at once. I'm just saying, like, if she struggles that much with a eulogy, I think a press conference <laughs> is a bit out of her league. Yeah. Right, yeah, yeah. No joke. Uh, Dorothy, respect. Uh, <laughs> That's the theme of our podcast. <laughs> no, no joke. jokes. <laughs> yeah, we're just here to give a straightforward. Exactly. I was agreeing. Dorothy, uh, you know, gives her the signature side eye, but uh, does support what Blanche was saying about the press uh, just wanting to talk to her and saying that you know Gorbachev, you know, legitimately respected her opinions on world peace. She then pauses and realizes what she had just said about Rose. 
commenting that it does sound odd hearing it out loud. <laughs> uh, then Sophia comes in the room with a boombox or some kind of cassette player. Dorothy cringes at the idea of yet another talent act, but Sophia says, no, no, it's the act. And she has reworked a classic, Sophia style. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she then sings them a song, uh, Thanks for the Medicare, mm-hmm. uh, which includes several medical-based uh, anecdotes. I looked it up, though. This was a parody of uh, a song called Thanks for the Memory by Bob Hope and Shirley Ross. You had to look that up? Yeah, I didn't know it. Oh, I mean, I... I I would not have known who it was by, but I definitely recognized it as being a parody of Thanks for the Memories. But uh, it was uh, from the movie The Big Broadcast back in 1938. Mm. So not a movie I'd watched. Yeah, well, I definitely hadn't seen the movie, but I think it's a fairly famous song. Um, I I had not heard it before I listened to it today. I was surprised you have a really big knowledge of old music as well. Not old, old music, though. Mm -hmm. But uh, she asked them for... Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, I'm sure it had, you know sentimental value to um sophia you know because she was just a young lass of 40 (laughs) (laughs) when it came out just a pup exactly (laughs) she then asked the girls for some honest feedback and they all pretty much you know state that it was quite bad see i didn't mind it at all like i thought it was kind of humorous i mean i was like oh here we have a young or uh, an old weird al yankovic (laughs) yeah probably Given who the the audience for the song was going to be, mm-hmm. I think it would have killed. Yeah, I think so too. But and she tells them all, "Go to hell, all of you." Mm-hmm. And Dorothy kind of comments, you know, shrugs and says that she took it better than she expected. Mm-hmm. But uh, we change scene again for the the last time. Mm-hmm. Uh, we see the girls are all dressed nicely, and uh, that the press conference is you know kind of rearing up, getting ready to begin at their house for some reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As Which, press conferences typically are set up. <laughs> I don't know. I guess because it's, you know, a certain person, they wanted to. Yeah, kind of give a slice of her life type of a maybe, maybe, uh, Yeah, maybe the Russian government didn't have a place to go. Oh, yeah. I would have to think they'd have an embassy or, or a consulate yeah. or something. But. I think that's probably where it would be. But for uh, show's consistency's sake, because yeah. everything else is held there. Blanche walks over to Dorothy telling her that she'd just spoken to a handsome reporter who had told her a few things about Russia and that in Moscow it snows during the summer and there are very few attractive women there. Uh, she continues saying that, you know what that means? I'll be able to get any man I want and you'll be able to make snow a snowman in June. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was a nice under underhanded comment. I liked it. Uh, Blanche is very happy with herself, but uh, Dorothy is less than excited about this news. In <laughs> uh, the Russian dignitary Alexei then tells the group that the press conference will begin shortly. He goes over and asks Blanche and Dorothy where Rose is, and they explain that she's uh, picking up her Sunshine Cadet troop. Alexi says, they all, oh, good. So she wants to be around kids of her own age. Yeah. And uh, says that they must be very proud of her daughter. Right. And he was kind of talking to Dorothy, I guess, at the time, mm-hmm. assuming that she was the mom. Uh, they figure out, of course, that Gorbachev assumed the letter was written simply because it was written by a little girl, roughly nine or ten. Right. <laughs> Uh, they are worried, of course, that Rose will be devastated when she hears the news. Uh, they head into the kitchen to discuss the issue. Dorothy uh, voices her concern that Rose might humiliate herself in front of the camera and the press. But Blanche is also worried that uh, the Russians might use this event as a propaganda tool to prove that Americans are uh, as dumb as Rose, she yeah. puts it. Uh, toppling our government's world uh, standing. <laughs> Dorothy responds, you know, Rocky IV had a profound effect on you, didn't it? Right. <laughs> I thought that was pretty good, too. 
Uh, just then, Rose arrives with the Sunshine Cadets. Uh, she sets a bag down on the counter and says that she hopes she's not too late. Uh, Rose is very excited and starts babbling on about what to say. But Dorothy and uh, Blanche finally you know, get her to stop and tell her that the Russians believe the letter was written by a child. Right. Rose's face kind of drops in disappointment. Uh, just then, Alexi walks in the kitchen, excited to see the Sunshine Cadets there, and that they've arrived, and asks, which one is little Rose? Mm-hmm. So they pick the littlest bitch in the entire group. <laughs> I guess not littlest. The, yeah. the one right in front. Yes. Uh. So maybe just... She's the one that had spoken already. Right, the, yeah. The so most. I guess they knew that she was from an intelligent background, so maybe she could hold her own up there maybe, in the press maybe. conference. But, but uh, Blanche grabs one of the girls from the front and says, it's her. Alexi smiles and says that he will inform the press that they will begin soon and then uh, leaves the kitchen. Rose, of course, is embarrassed and sits down uh, in disbelief. Blanche insists that they'll just have uh, little Linda, is the girl's name, mm-hmm. uh, read the letter and no one will know any different. Except that that girl is supposed to go to Moscow. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> Maybe they just figure they'll get through this press conference. And then figure out the next step, yeah. yeah. The little girl you know, asks Rose if uh, it'll be okay if she does the speech. And she doesn't want to miss out on getting her moonbeam badge because you know Rose tells them that sunshine cadets never lie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rose is unsure but uh, tentatively agrees before Blanche quickly ushers the child into the living room. Alexi addresses the press group, giving uh, the backstory about the letter, and uh, begins to introduce Rose. Linda starts to approach the podium, but Rose stops her and tells the press that, you know, there has been a misunderstanding and that she wrote the letter, restating that, you know, a sunshine cadet never lies. Alexi then announces to the press conference that, uh, or to the core, that the press conference is canceled and he is now the newest resident of Miami. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Call him Dave. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he starts heading for the door and says, if anyone wants to reach me, my name is Dave. <laughs> yeah, he, he then runs out the door with the press right behind him. Uh, Dorothy and Blanche <laughs> walk up and tell Rose that what she did took a lot of courage. Uh, Rose rushes into the kitchen and they follow. Rose feel, says that she feels like an idiot and that she's a national joke and that this is the worst day of her life. Yeah. Which I believe she said recently about something else. Yeah, she's a little fatalistic when it comes to uh, different you know things what, happening. Do you remember what she said was the worst day of her life from before? I don't remember, but I, I do feel like it's happened. And you would still think that, think, you know. Was it the pig? Maybe. When the um, pig was, like, lost or something? Or? Something like that. I would still think that the worst day of her life would be when her husband of however many years yeah. died during the act of, you know, sex. I think <laughs> we talked about that last time. Yeah. <laughs> That's why it stuck in my head. She says the worst day of her life. And then they try to uh, kind of calm her down. Rose calls herself a variety of negative terms, including Chucklehead. But Blanche says, you know, that she's their Chucklehead, and mm-hmm. they wouldn't trade her for anything. Uh, Do you think she finished? Finished what? When when she was with Charlie that last <laughs> <Yeah>. time? <laughs> you know, it's never been discussed how far in yeah. that they were. I hope Charlie did. Um, <laughs> be, you know, the best way to go out, I'd say. Um, but, yeah, as far as whether... How close Rose was. I don't know. I mean, as often as they did it, you'd have to think Charlie wasn't proficient. <laughs> like, he, he was, he had the longevity. Like, I mean, he could yeah. go like a champ, but um, didn't get the job done quickly, it wouldn't seem. Yeah. So, I guess it depends on if they were on hour one or hour six. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dorothy reminds her, though, of the impact that uh, her letter has had, yeah. reaching all the way to the Russian premiere. 
They ask if she'd uh, read them the letter, but Rose declines because, you know, she's obviously devastated. Blanche asks if she can read it then, and Dorothy you know, adds that, you know, if it's the worst day of her life, she doesn't have anything to lose. Right. Blanche then reads it aloud to the three girls, you know, and it is a simple but kind letter about the potential of nuclear war and how the girls, you know, you know, in the Sunshine Cadet Troop worry about it. She also adds, you know, she asks the, the, the Russian premier to unplug your bombs and that uh, Reagan would do so too, but someone must act first. Mm-hmm. She uh, closes saying that she, he shouldn't call the president at the, in the afternoon as that's when he takes his naps. Yeah, yeah that was <laughs> funny. They uh, kind of gush over how beautiful and, this, and sentimental the uh, letter is and that it's too bad more people don't view the world with the same childlike innocence. Mm-hmm. Uh, the phone rings then, and Blanche answers. She says it's uh, for Rose and hands the phone off to her. Rose gets up, and she speaks to the person on the phone, and her eyes immediately get wide-eyed, and uh, she kind of whispers to the girl, It's the president! Mm-hmm. Uh, she, tell, she says thank you and a few other things, uh, then hanging up, telling the girls that the president loved her, her letter, she then rushes out of the room saying she needs to write down her diary right away. Uh, she passes Sophia in, in the doorway. Sophia then enters the kitchen telling the girl she finally knows what she's going to do for the talent show. And they say, what? And she says, her Ronald Reagan impression signaling over to the telephone. Mm-hmm. And they realize what had just happened. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there was one line in there that she left out that was another nice deep cut. Um, mm-hmm. And she, I can't remember what she was referring to. But Dorothy says, I can't believe that God wanted uh, Jerry Falwell to go down that water slide in a cheap suit. Yeah. Um, now, that was referring to apparently, you know, Jerry Falwell, he was at the time the um, PTL chairman. Mm-hmm. And he went down a PTL was a praise the Lord. It was mm-hmm. a big yeah, evangelical group right. founded by Tammy Faye and uh, Jim Baker. Mm-hmm. There was some sort of a thing where basically he wanted them to raise over $20 million dollars. And if they did, he would go down this big water slide at their Christian-themed theme park, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> Heritage World, I believe it was called. Mm-hmm. Um, it, the funny thing, well, Heritage USA was the name of the theme park, mm-hmm. and the name of the water slide was the Killer Typhoon. <laughs> <laughs> Seems a little misplaced in this, uh, yeah. you know, that type of a environment. Yeah, um, and, and apparently he went down it in a suit, in his actual suit, mm-hmm. <laughs> as opposed to getting into a bathing suit or anything of that nature. Yeah. So that's what it was makes it a little more to. interesting, don't you think? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that church, more memorable for sure. That the Heritage USA went uh, out of business in '89, so mm-hmm. you know, apparently that twenty million dollars they raised wasn't enough to keep everything going yeah. through all the <laughs> so. Jim Baker scandal and whatnot. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. And just fifteen short years later, Jerry Falwell was able to, you know, warn us of the dangers of the Teletubbies. <laughs> <laughs> Thank goodness, because yeah. we really dodged a bullet with those. <laughs> But anyways, yeah, the, the Heritage USA, I, I was debating if I were the one recapping this episode uh-huh. and I was doing Alan's deep dive. Yeah. There was a, a several that were really good options. Yeah. Because obviously the Matthias Russ one, yeah. we could have gone further into that. Yeah. And then uh-huh. this one, you mm-hmm. know, the Heritage USA just by itself, it was yeah. an American Christian whole backstory, right? water mm-hmm. park, theme park, and residential complex. Yep. So there's Residential a, complex? Yeah, like, so apparently yeah. people lived there, prayed there. Water yeah. slid. Sounds there. cult-like. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a little. Uh, Jerry Jr. just lost his job. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, so, anyways, I thought that was uh, 
like I said, there was a lot of stuff going on that episode that indeed could have gotten deeper the best into part of her treatment. Yep, exactly. Fess up. But you never know. Maybe <laughs> next time. So. Um, Alexi, played mm-hmm. by Alan Rich, great name. Yeah. Uh, 147 titles to his name. He's in uh, Serpico Quiz Show. I'm sure that Brent probably remembers him as Papa in 2007's The Sexiest Year. Um, and he died pretty recently in August of 2020. I saw he hadn't done anything in like. Like he had a career and then like it just sort of stopped. Like yeah, two yeah. Year, four years ago or something. But yeah, he got uh, lived a very <coughs> long life. Uh, and then we had Linda. She was played by Jocelyn Bernstein. Mm-hmm. Thirty-five titles to her name, but nothing. I mean, when you see known for and the Golden Girls mm-hmm. is one of them, and this yeah. is her role, you know, she didn't have yeah, a she big was a acting kid career. At this point. Yeah. yeah, but she had all the big ones though for the time. Did she? Oh, you mean like guest starring? Yeah, every, yeah, yeah. Sitcoms. Yeah. yeah, it seemed like from eighty-seven to about ninety-two. Yeah. Any possible sitcom she was on. Yeah, and then just, you know, I don't know, maybe she decided the business wasn't for her. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Then you had Nancy, played by Cynthia Marie King. Just five titles to her name. Uh, the news reporter was uh, Stephen Craig, mm-hmm. um, but he really this was his only acting credit. He did mm-hmm. other things in the entertainment industry, but this was only acting yeah. credit. And then, of course, Edward Newman played himself, uh, mm-hmm. newscaster, author, journalist. And he was on NBC News, or at least primarily there, from 61 to 84. Mm-hmm. So so he had actually already left the news game by the time mm-hmm. this episode came out, but was just still synonymous with it, I guess. Gotcha. Yeah. So, and plus, that's who, you know, Rose would have watched. Right. That's true. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so, Ski, who He's won your... He's the one who told her Kennedy died. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> Who's the one who won this? Uh, and that Rogers and Hammerstein had died, <laughs> <laughs> and probably other people as well. <laughs> exactly, I can get you some names. <laughs> I appreciate your effort, um, but uh, Ski, who who was your MVP for this one? I had this Rose. Mm-hmm. I thought it was uh, she tried to broker world peace, mm-hmm. and uh, she also was volunteering in her community and tried to remain honest. Thought Fair that was enough. a pretty good com- combination. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about you, Brent? Who got it for you? Really. Ski just convinced me that it's Rose, you know, so. So so basically, it's not based on her performance in the episode, just on her character's goals. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, everybody wants to save the world, but they don't <laughs> take the time to volunteer in their own community. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't feel like anybody stood out that well. Uh, so, yeah, I'll go. We'll, we'll make it a second unanimous decision in a row, yeah. and I'll give it to Rose. Rose is also. pretty solid anyway, usually. Yeah, I mean, the only thing is there was, you know, you could also say, well, Alexi. I, I don't necessarily know. Um, <laughs> I don't necessarily like Weepy Rose. Linda? Uh, yeah, Linda. No, she, not, not who could beat Rose out, but detractors to Rose's performance. Yeah. Um, I don't necessarily love Weepy Rose, and also I don't necessarily love racially insensitive Rose. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> But that's, uh, you know, I guess the other stuff helps to rise above. Well, you think about the time this was made, that was probably. Oh, certainly par for the course. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah so, but like if you were to do the novelization mm-hmm. of this episode, don't you think you'd do it like, you know, first person from Rose? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'd say so. Uh, but I don't think we normally necessarily go with whoever the star of the episode is. Not necessarily, but I think I, I don't know. I tend to think of it as like, okay. You know, would this be a third person story or would it be first person from That's one of the good way to or whatever? Analyze you know? it, yeah. 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 It's funny, we're having a, I wouldn't call it an argument, but a discussion about something that we unanimously agreed on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. Well, I think we're looking at different ways of how to true. view it. <laughs> yeah. You were trying to put some daylight in between our responses. <laughs> <laughs> I was just trying to reel you in. So, how many slices of cheesecake for you, Brent? 
Um, I don't want to be a cliche or get into a rut, but I'd go with five again. And how about you, Ski? We won't be in a rut, so don't worry. Oh, yeah. cool. It won't be quite quite that. But I we'll... gave it. I gave it a six. Oh, I six. thought wow. it was overall entertaining episode, funny, uh, decent inclusion of all the girls. I thought this time. Yeah. Uh, but uh, and a positive global message. Yeah. Mm. Oh, and shit! Uh, I didn't mention. We didn't mention this. Um, you know, besides the whole Russia thing or whatever. But that Mateus thing was only like four or five months earlier. Yeah, very topical. I'll yeah. definitely get granted that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I was quite as high on it as either of you two were. Um, I only gave it a four. Mm. I just thought it was very far fetched. Um, mm-hmm. And I agreed. And that part true. takes me out of it just a little bit, like the suspension of disbelief. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not watching a Marvel movie. Um, I, <laughs> I, I want it to be a. a more believable plot line exactly. <laughs> well that's funny that you would say that rose wants to talk about this this is based on a true story oh really yes so and not necessarily for rose but, uh, <laughs> not necessarily <laughs> the real rose nyland didn't send no, the letter no but apparently the plot actually stems from a girl named samantha smith mm-hmm. uh who wrote a letter to at the time, it was whatever the Russian leader was. Gorbachev? No. No, it was like, actually got... What would you say the girl's name was? Uh, Samantha, Samantha Smith. But like, uh, Didn't she you, fall I down think in well? 85, she wrote a letter to... Or 85 or 80, No. I think she wrote the letter in 83, but then there was actually a story about her, like a movie or something being made about her in 85, I guess. Mm-hmm. And then... It actually didn't get finished because she passed away, mm. like a plane crash or something. Hmm. It's suspicious, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it says that in 1982, Smith wrote a letter to the newly appointed CPSU General Secretary Yuri Andropov, Andropov mm-hmm. uh, and received a personal reply with a personal invitation to visit the Soviet Union, which she yeah. accepted. So. Yeah, so I, I guess maybe I'm unfairly dinging it um, for being too far-fetched because obviously it wasn't too far-fetched. <laughs> maybe the timing and how quickly it turned around and all that Oh, would be, yeah, probably. Was uh, Samantha a true little girl uh, and yeah. not an old woman? Yeah, yeah. She, she was, <laughs> it was not based on Rose Nyland. Or do we true. know that? Maybe well, they I mean, pulled a switcheroo, an, too. This was in 82. The girl was 10 years old. I wonder why happened. She died when she was 13. Plane uh, crash, I heard. Oh, really? <laughs> 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 Did you hear that from... Uh, from Edwin <laughs> Newman. Yeah. No, I said it a few oh. minutes ago. Oh, did you say it? Yeah, I oh. think she passed away. <laughs> I guess I was looking at the same time as you. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. I said it was suspicious. Well, <laughs> and you laughed. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm sticking with my four regardless. <laughs> Either way, it wouldn't be competing for the greatest episode. Uh, it, it would just varying degrees of... Mediocrity. Average, yeah, average. It, it, it'll average out to a five, though. Yeah. So last episode got a five straight across. This one will average to a five. So yeah. Yeah. Four, five, six. That's yep. Anyway, so with that uh, bit of math, stay golden, Coco. Best fit on you. Hey, thanks so much for downloading today. If you enjoyed that opening, you should definitely check out Ashley Jade on YouTube. She has a bunch of awesome compositions on there. If you want to get in touch, you can email us at sophiaschoicepodcast at gmail.com. You can also reach us on Twitter at Sophia's Choice PC. We plan to have a new episode out every Monday. If you have a moment, give us a rating on iTunes or wherever else fine podcasts are downloaded. And of course, stay golden. <laughs>